Welcome, disciple makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, the Spark Conference. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Now let's join today's broadcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Georgia Baptist Discipleship. Ray Sullivan, how's it going over in South Georgia? Blueberries are on the vine, looking good down here. We're going to start picking next week. So I was out right before I got on today and picked a few and walked in and so I have a little bit of uh, blueberry seed in my teeth, but, so hopefully it won't show up on camera. So when you say picked a few, do you mean like you just ate some, or do you mean you actually are trying to sell some this year? No, we're going to sell them, but not yet. These are these are mine. Okay, okay, got it, got it. Well, um, we're, we're, we're excited about the broadcast today. Um, we get to um, go back to my uh, church, my first church in Georgia. We'll call it that. Uh, it's still kind of a, has a special place in my heart there in uh, Sherwood and Hall, Benny, Georgia. Um, we have... Dr. Reverend Wright Paul Godhart on the broadcast today. He does prefer that you use all three of those titles all the time. Isn't that right, Paul? Absolutely. That's the only way I will answer any questions that you send me. <laughs> well, Brother Bishop, we're glad that you're on the broadcast today. And um, and, and Paul has, uh, um, has just been a great blessing uh, to Albany, Georgia, and just so many of our friends and just seeing the Lord move there since you've uh, been there, uh, which I guess is about, is it? Is it two years? Coming up on two years in about uh, three months. Yeah, coming up on two years. Yeah. And so um, he has a beautiful family. Uh, he's got uh, two uh, uh, college daughters. They've they've gone away. So are they are they empty nest or just like part time empty nest? Where are you at? Well, no, they are with us still. Uh, okay. They are full time at college, but about forty five minutes away. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, you're not empty nesting at all. That's right. Um, you just changed the curfew times, right? That's where you're at in that. Yeah. Um, uh, and so his wonderful wife uh, has been married. I mean, y'all been married 27 years, um, and y'all were out in Las Vegas there for 18 years at uh, Life Baptist Church. And we'll talk about Life Baptist Church here in a moment. And um, uh, that is where John and you got connected, I believe, back in the day. So we have John LaGrange. John, I don't know how many uh, Mr. Reverends, I'm not sure how many to put in front of your name, uh, but uh, welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, well, hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here with you guys. I do want to say that your bookcase looks very impressive, so I do feel like we should put a couple more letters at least in front of your name. Um, but uh, John has um, been ground floor with This is the Gospel, and we're going to be talking about that today. And so he did that when they were out there in Las Vegas, has moved here, um, experiencing all the gnats and wonderful South Georgia things that are uh, to offer. Um, uh, and so I'm glad that your family's here. He's got three kids and they're exploring and doing all those things just like we did three years ago uh, when we moved here to South Georgia. And um, in fact, it was uh, blueberries that brought us to to Sherwood. And so we were, we were invited blueberry picking by family and then loved on and go there. So everybody's dots just connected, just like that. Oh, there it is. Blueberries and, blueberries and Jesus. So Ray, kick us off, my friend. Oh, so good to be with you guys today. And just let me remind you all as you're watching today, uh, make sure that uh, you share this broadcast. I think when we get to the end of this, you're going to realize how important this discussion is and you want to share it with people around you. And make sure you let us know where you're watching from. Uh, we will give away some swag. Uh, to one lucky watcher today. So um, do that while we're talking today. I just want to jump in. And uh, as you see, 
Paul and John, man, we're, we, we're not really scripted in the way we do this, but I had the opportunity to meet with John a few uh, months ago, and he was sharing with me uh, about This is the Gospel, and um, this is a, a resource that you guys put together uh, while you were in Las Vegas, and what really intrigued me um, about this resource is John was telling me that in Las Vegas, the, the community there was very transient. So, you know, you may lead somebody to Christ. They may be open to the gospel. You may lead them to Christ, but you may only have, you know, maybe three weeks or six weeks or, you know, three months uh, with them to disciple them, to get them started and then send them out. And so you guys realized that. And you said, you know what, well, we don't really have a, a resource. It's not enough just to say we baptized them, give them a Bible with their name on it, send them to Sunday school and hope over the next 50 years, you know, that they'll become a disciple. You, you really had to begin to be intentional and think about that. So, so Paul, let's just, let's jump in. Why don't you share with us a little bit about where this came from? What, what drove you guys to creating this, this um, curriculum that you use for these first steps of making disciples? Yeah, I think that you're 100% correct. Las Vegas is a very transient city overall. In fact, uh, we found while we were there that 70% of the church would change over every three years. So if you think of every three years, 70% new people who are in the church, you just you have to be very focused and very intentional if you're going to be about making disciples. And one of the things that we kind of came to on this is if we know for sure that God has called the local church to be about making disciples, the question becomes, how do you do it? And so we spent a significant amount of time going through the New Testament, looking at every way that Jesus discipled the 12 and how the apostle Paul would disciple ones like John Mark and Titus and Timothy and, and others. So we basically put some pieces together in order to help people understand what this new life in Christ is supposed to look like. So one of the things that really convicted me is if you look at 1 Corinthians and 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul planted both churches. And he spent three years in Corinth and three weeks in Thessalonica. And once he got driven out of Thessalonica because of persecution, he sends Timothy back later on to find out how these new believers are doing. And it's said that they were examples in Macedonian and Achaia. It talked about their work of faith and labor of love and, and all of these things. Like they were thriving under persecution after three weeks of somehow a foundation being laid. And that's the part that grabbed my attention. I think sometimes in local church life, we don't know what the end goal is to look like and we feel like we've got years and years to disciple someone. So how do you get people started on the right path to understand this relationship with God and provide a framework that they can grow from for the rest of their life? That's what This is the Gospel is about. Oh, that That is so good because, I, you know, for years we had things like um, survival kit. I remember when I was a new believer doing survival kit and, you know, basics for Baptist, all those different things. But what a lot of guys are sharing with me now was, you know, Ray, there's really nothing out there that we can do to help disciple new believers or, you know, undiscipled people in the church. Where where do we even begin? And one of the things that I love what you said, Paul, and I want people to kind of lean in on this is the fact that this really is scalable as far as time, because so many things that we look at, you know, we may think I've got three years. You may not have three years for, right. for lots of different reasons. So as a local pastor, 
maybe even a bivocational guy, you know, where, what is most important? Where do you begin? And one of the things that grabbed me, and I've got this right here in front of me, um, this is the gospel, a guide to relationally centered discipleship. And I know you begin there and you say that life is about relationship. So describe to the audience today, what, what do you mean by that? What do you mean as far as the gospel and its relationship to relationships? Fantastic question. And if that one's not answered, I think we're going to struggle to figure out the rest of the answers. So that's basically a question about purpose. It comes back to the age-old philosophical religious question that people have been asking for ages. What is the purpose of life? Why am I actually here? And according to Scripture, the Bible gives a very clear answer. It comes back to the redemptive story of God. So if you wanted to see that in a very clear, small package, it would be it speaks of God's design, sin's intrusion, and Christ's solution for human flourishing. Those are the three basic pieces of God's redemptive story. Now, if we pull that out just a little bit, here's what that would look like. We have been created for relationship with God. That's why humanity is on this planet. That we were created to know him and through that relationship, glorify him. If you go back and look at creation back over in Genesis 1 and 2, it's clearly going to be laid out there. But then what we find is sin disrupted or separated that relationship. That's the fall that we see mentioned over in Genesis chapter 3. So created for relationship, sin separated that relationship. And then what you find is there's book after book of Old Testament where it describes God's people and God as he gives the law, as he sends prophets, as they try to do things right. And there is this time where it seems like they're walking faithfully and then they're in rebellion, walking faithfully in rebellion. And what you find is that in our strength, humanity can do nothing to reconcile that relationship themselves. There's nothing. Our religion's not enough. Morality is not enough. Good works are not enough. So here's where the redemptive story moves towards the New Testament. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He lived a sinless life. He died a substitutionary death on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He rose from the dead three days later that we might have life. And he offers eternal life. And he defines that, John 17, 3, this is eternal life that they may know you. That, that's relationship. He offers eternal life to those who repent of their sin by placing faith in Christ. So the entire redemptive story is about a relationship. We've been created for a relationship. Sin separated the relationship. Jesus did what was necessary to reconcile the relationship. So that's what I say with it's all about relationship. You know, I, I think we assume that, you know, when I was listening to you say that, I think that sometimes as pastors and preachers, and I'll just talk about myself as a, as a preacher for 31 years, I think we assume that if somebody comes to faith in Christ, they got that. So let's move on to something else. Yeah. But the Spirit moves and people come to faith in Christ for a lot of different things, and maybe they don't quite understand that relationship. So beginning there and making sure before you move forward that they really understand, man, that's... Uh, I think we probably skipped over that. BJ, what do you think? Yeah, I just think relationships are just so foundational and they're hard and they're messy. And and so I quote Jeremiah a lot when I talk about, you know, why are relationships so hard? It's like, because the heart is selfish above all things. Who can we trust? Mm -hmm. Like the reason we're pretty terrible at this is because we're kind of terrible 
and, and we're sinners and we chase after ourselves. Like we're just selfish people. And so, you know, I don't want to talk to the mailman, the mail lady, yet because I got better things to do. I don't, I don't want to do this thing because I have somewhere to be. You're like, there's a lot of selfishness in our decision-making to do that. Um, and I kind of want to out um, Paul here for a minute, um, not planned at all, but uh, Paul is a self-professed introvert. Is that correct, Paul? I am. Okay. And so um, I, I am, uh, could not be more polar opposite, right? Like the first time I see you, I'm like, let's hug and be best friends. Like you didn't know we were going to be best friends, but we're best friends. <laughs> That's the discipleship guy. That is the discipleship guy. And I say that to say what you just described, if you were going to rewind and listen to it, doesn't sound like an introvert saying it. And I say this a lot in my preaching that there's not introverted extrovert in the, in the gospel. It's not a difference of it. We're called to this. And so the way we do that relationship may be different as an introvert and extrovert, but what you just described, people might think that you're just one of us. Like you're one of those extroverted people that just like going out there and doing all that stuff. When I just think it's an important detail that it's about a relationship. This isn't, um, it's not an option. We have to start with that relationship part. And I like doing those relationships differently than maybe some some people do. So that's kind of a, a side tangent. But do you, are you with me on how those are kind of related? I, I am. I am. Uh, but I think the, the clear part of this is whether you are an introvert or an extrovert, it all begins with your individual relationship with God. So, And that has nothing to do with connecting with people on the outside. But I will say based upon the gospel message, if we are living out of the overflow of a relationship with Christ, it's going to spill over into a redemptive missional life, which is going to cause you to engage others. Now, people like me, I don't have a problem talking to complete strangers. I just need to go back and recharge like by myself after it's done. So mow a yard or something, right? <laughs> That's right. You know, I'll go out and get some gardening in. I will be good to go right after this. I'm telling you this, the older you get, the, the harder it is. You know, I just found the, you know, the older I get, it's more like I don't want to be around people. You know? <laughs> that's another broadcast. We don't have to say that could be a problem in ministry. <laughs> well, there you go. We don't edit these things, Ray. You got to be more careful. All right. So, um, John, um, we want to hear a little bit about you, man. Tell us about your testimony and then uh, some kind of some things you're you're hearing. I want you to to speak into this relationship. Um, yeah, I think you're a fellow extrovert, if I remember. Yeah, I I am. I mean, I do need to be recharged at times, but yes, I am. I mean, uh, you know, a little bit about me. I was in the marketplace for the better part of twenty years uh, before I stepped into vocational ministry, and it really um, it. To, to understand where I'm at today is to understand where I came from. Uh, you know, I wrote this down this morning. I have a, a Lutheran Assembly of God and um, Seventh-day Baptist background as a kid. And, and you know, I wasn't saved until I was 32 years old on an Easter Sunday 13 years ago. And I was looking, I had the Pontius Pilate moment in my life. I wanted to know what truth was. And I stepped into Life Baptist Church on April 4, 2010, and, and I found life. I found life in Christ. That's what I found. And so that radically changed me. My wife was saved on that same day. It changed the trajectory of our lives. It, it, it broke cycles of sin in our family. And all we wanted to know was how to live the life in Christ. We didn't know what that meant. We didn't know what the terms were, but we just wanted to live that life in Christ. And, and Paul in the staff at Life, 
uh, before we even got there, had laid this foundation with this is the gospel to such a degree that all we knew to do was to live it out what was already there. I mean, what a culture statement, right? Like we all talk about strategies and putting things up on the wall, but when it's just who you are, when it's in the DNA of the organization, there is no program that it's just who we are. This is what we do. And that's such a great statement. And so when you got involved, like, so your first involvement with this in the gospel, this is the gospel is I'm a, I'm a believer. I've prayed to receive Christ. And then step one is moving it. So tell me a little bit about those early days. Just walk us through that. Well, the early days were it, it really, for us, it started at the pulpit, you know? Um, so it was what Paul was teaching week in and week out in every area of ministry that we began to engage in, whether it was small groups, whether it was serving in the community, um, it was it was out of the overflow of what was being taught as the DNA of relationship in Christ. And of course, in our in our private time, my wife and I were, you know, we were just soaking up. We just wanted to know more about what it meant to live out every decision of our lives in Christ. So example, my wife and I sat down uh, shortly after we were saved and we, and we had this Clar- clarifying moment of every decision we'd ever made in our lives prior to Christ, um, you know, was our decision. There wasn't a bit of God that any of our decisions were filtered through his hands. So we said every decision for the rest of our lives, we want filtered through God's hands, which means every every decision we make, we have to go before him and process those decisions. And that's part of living the Christ life. And he radically changed our lives in in all the areas you can think of, whether it was career, marriage, um, child rearing, uh, friendships. I mean, you name it, every area of our lives. And so that's the foundation that God took us through to understand what this Christ life is. Yeah. And Paul, I want you to speak a little bit to this. And it's exciting to hear you say it the way you say it, because um, it's easy when we, we do ministry every day to forget. Um, to forget what it's like to make this life-altering decision. And then the next day you go, I, I don't know what to do. What do I do today? Like, I'm supposed to do something different. I just don't know what. And so that's when we said, well, we've got mentors. We've got to have people. But you got to dig in deep. Like, there's got to be somebody that digs in with that relationship. So, Paul, when you were developing that years before, and now you and John have been friends for well over a decade, and he's super involved with this project. Like, what's that What's that like for you, seeing it from there to to, to even like the broadcast today? Honestly, I'm listening to John and all I'm doing is just praising God for the power of the gospel. That's right. It There was nothing that I wrote down that I, I think overly earth shattering. I'm, I'm simply trying to help people understand the gospel. And it is the gospel that sets people free. It is the gospel that is the foundation for people's lives. We never outgrow the gospel. We grow into the gospel. Mm. And what I've seen over the years is with myself and John, um, God's given us a lot of opportunity to travel the world and to share basics of gospel-centered discipleship with people. And uh, I, I describe John and Virginia this way. That is, uh, when Jesus got them, he got all of them right there. They are uh, two of the most devoted, loving, passionate followers of Christ I've ever met. And it's, and it's so fun to see somebody come from uh, darkness to light. And, and having friends over the years that I've seen do that as well, there, there's nothing more exciting. And then it reinvigorates you to say, okay, now, now where do I need to reflect the fruit of the Spirit more and see that? And Ray, you know, doing this for over three decades, you know, as a senior pastor and seeing people do that and not do that, how, the, how they really don't 
step in and establish that from the the get-go is heartbreaking at the same time and we want to work on it so i guess tell, tell us your perspective you've been in multiple churches and and seeing that first moment right when somebody comes to know the lord and then they either buy in they let jesus take the wheel carrie underwood or they uh just kind of keep doing their own thing what, what's your perspective on that are you asking me that i am i'm asking you that. oh okay <laughs> i was still stuck on jesus take the wheel um yeah you know I, it's so true, and it, it, it is a beautiful thing that we don't see enough of. Can I just say that? And, and I think that's frustrating. I, I think, you know, I, I go back to what Ken Adams said. Jesus, you know, started a movement of multiplication, and we turned it into an institution. And, and we celebrate the institution. We celebrate the building. We celebrate the programs. We celebrate, you know, these things. And, and we don't—a lot of our pastors just don't see life change. And, and I know they want it, and I know they desire it. But I think part of the question is, and, and this is kind of where I wanted to get into this, is those first steps. John, you're exactly right. You know, Paul preaches it from the pulpit. It is it is a part of the culture. It is not just about the the gospel for salvation. It's about the gospel for life. It's about this gospel, how it transforms us and what God is doing in the midst of this. And so the salvation is not the finish line. It's the starting line, right? right. And so what I wanted to ask is, as we talk about establishing this life in Christ, I see an example. I mean, I see how it worked here for you, John. Let me ask you this, Paul. For the for the pastor that's watching, or the disciple maker that's watching today, what what are the essential elements of this establishing your life in Christ? What if you've got three weeks or four weeks or five weeks with a guy? What do you got to get? Because it's probably not so important that he memorizes all the measurements to the ark and all of that stuff like that, but. What has he got to know to get started on establishing that life with Christ? I, I would share it like this. Um, a statement that I share constantly is everything God desires to do in and through your life, he will accomplish out of the overflow of your relationship with him. Mm. Everything. It all flows out of relationship. So if you're talking about helping people establish a life in Christ, that primary thing has to be, how do we help them understand the relationship, grow in that relationship, um, see what life looks like when they are walking step in step with Christ? So for me, I'm constantly emphasizing relationship. And there's a, a piece I've been sharing it. Navigators used it far before we ever did, and other organizations have used it as well. That is the idea of know Christ, make him known. Okay. Knowing Christ, that is on that intimate, personal, relational side, and then make him known that is that missional public side. Those two pieces, but they all flow out of that same relationship. So when I emphasize the structure of what it looks like to be a disciple focused on relationship, we literally built the core values of the church we started in Vegas around those pieces to emphasize the structure at every single level of the organization. So I just wrote these down just so that you would hear what they are. We talked about God dependence. That's the mindset of a disciple. It's not, I'm going to go do it for God. It is that I am dependent upon God that he does something great through me. That is dependence on him. Scriptural authority, that's the guide of a disciple. If we don't have scripture as that authoritative base, we're going to get pulled off in every other type of direction. Uh, abiding in Christ. That's the calling of a disciple. We are to abide in him 
and he lives his life in and through us. Spiritual formation, that's the growth of a disciple. Uh, a community of love, that's the environment of a disciple. It talks about how will others know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. Uh, then kingdom participation, that is the mission of a disciple. And I think this is so important. We talk church, Jesus talked kingdom. And if you don't get kingdom into the DNA from the very beginning, we turn everything inward and we make it about ourselves. We miss so much of the journey God has for us. And then the last of the seven core values was gospel-centered living. That is the message of a disciple. So every part of that structure I just mentioned, it's focused back on a different part of what it means to walk as a disciple so that we know Christ and make him known. Oh, so good. I, I'm, I'm PJ. I'm thinking we need to do a deep dive into this curriculum. Yeah, look, look for that soon. We're gonna, we're gonna do another. Oh, I wish we could spend more time in it. But let me, let me, let me look ahead a little bit, John. I wanna, I wanna jump over to you. You're the, you're the director there at Sherman yeah. of this is the gospel and and what you guys are doing. And man, I know this is something you're not just sharing here in the United States. Y'all are doing this around the world. Uh, That's right. It's so neat to see that. But in in one of the book three here, I was looking at this called The Pursuit yeah. that you guys have. And it's just kind of a short study on exploring your life in Christ. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting is y'all talk about the, the the tension. And you just talked about all the, the church and the, the role of the church. And then you have the world, but you have your own relationship with Christ. So, so, so John, how do we maintain that tension? How do we help people keep all of that in balance, their, their relationship with Christ, their relationship with their church? Uh, and and the relationship with the world, how how they share the gospel, how they take that out. What have you seen in your experience as you've been doing this for the last few years? Yeah, I think there's three important relationships for every Christian. One, it's relationship with God, relationship with the church, and relationship with the world. And when we think about those three relationships, the other two really are dependent on the first relationship. And so if we're if we're walking in right relationship with God, we're going to engage in right relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we're, we're going to understand what the Apostle Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. We're going to be united uh, with one another as the church, uh, exercising our gifts that God has given us for the kingdom. Um, when we're in right relationship with God, we're going to understand how to rightly engage the world. And and this one, to me, is a, a massive piece. We we see a lot of Christianity right now that is um, not engaging the world in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to be friends with the world uh, so that they can have something to share with them. They think instead of being in right relationship with the Lord and trusting the Holy Spirit to lead them, how they should be engaging the world for the sake of the gospel. And, and really, that that relationship with the world that really flows into really the mission of God. The mission of God is that we will make disciples of all the nations. You know, when we we understand what Jesus said shortly before he went to his crucifixion and resurrection, he spoke specifically that that the role that he gave us before Matthew, Matthew 28 and Matthew 24 was that when the gospel has been preached as a testimony to the world, um, as a testimony to all the nations, then he will come. Uh, that's a, that's an important piece of engaging and living out of the overflow. But that is a natural progression of right relationship with God that we should want to be about the Father's business. And and so I think if that piece is missing, then there's a piece missing in relationship. If the, if we're having issues in the church, 
there's a piece missing in relationship with our father. And that's the piece that we continually tell people to go back to. When we sit down with somebody and they're having issues in their lives, it, every problem that we find is rooted back to intimacy with God. Bar none. Every issue comes back to intimacy. So you want to have a, a more united church? Uh, find out where the issues with personal intimacy with God exist, and you're going to solve the issues to those problems. You want a church that engages the mission of God? Then you've got to start with intimacy with God. All right. Well, um, yeah, I mean, just uh, discipleship culture is some of that language that we, that we use. So when you were just saying that, like, how do you get back to it? Uh, we got a church here in North Georgia, just northwest of Athens, where uh, there's still pasture, uh, but there may be not for long because uh, everything is growing out that way. And uh, and and connecting with this pastor, we're going to do how do we reset the culture of discipleship? Because this church has been around 180 years. Mm. And, and so obviously it's done some things really well, but it's also kind of lost a little bit of its focus. It's not just about more people or just young people in the front door. It's about like, Lord, do we put you in the center of our lives? And that's not just a Bible study. And so we're resetting the culture, getting them some training and then saying it's about relationships. I'll go back this fall and preach about authentic relationships and how do we have those going forward? Because it's just messy. Uh, that's what a lady down in Blakely told me just when I got here. I said, uh, what do y'all think about home groups? And she said, well, people are messy. You know, like she real, real sweet about it. And I'm like, man, you just don't. Okay. Well, I'm from Ohio originally. So we use other more colorful. <laughs> I hear you. I see where you're going. Um, but relationships are hard. Our relationship that we maintain with God, that every day that be the center part of who we are and we exist is, is to glorify him but then also bringing in all those other relationships and we just can't do them alone, you know? And, and, right. and so I just love how all of that flows in and out of, of what you're saying. I also love um, how it really is just the gospel. There's not a, uh, uh, an overly dramatic phrasing of certain things. It's just saying, this is what we find in scripture and, yeah. and we want you to join us in this. And this is how quickly you need to catch these things. And so to Ray's point, when we dive into the curriculum and what it looks like and how to actually do those things, it may be perfect uh, for a pastor who's watching this saying, hey, I think I want to try something different. Um, uh, or maybe I want to have a next steps path. Or maybe I want to like, which which where do I put this in my discipleship pathway? Um, just stay tuned for that next broadcast because we can do a lot of it. Um, Ray, as we as we wrap up our, our time together, I want to make sure you get closing uh, conversations. But I also realized that as you were talking about the world, John, I'm sitting here playing with Santa. And so I, I feel really convicted about the world and being in it right now. Uh, but it is 257 days, and I just wanted to remind everybody of that uh, one important detail till Christmas. So, uh, Ray, um, uh, any other takeaways or questions? Yeah, PJ, we'll always keep us up to date on how many days it is till Christmas. And I saw that in your hand. I knew it was one of those tidbits. No, I felt like I needed to make it. I smelled it, yeah. Or something. But let me just say this, and guys, I want to finish up, Paul, with letting you kind of wrap us up. But here's what I'm hearing. Um, and I'm thinking of this from the perspective of a pastor, and, and, and I'm with you guys out there, those of you that are watching, because this is what I've done my entire life. I was not trained to do this. I was trained to manage a church. I was trained to preach. I was trained to exegete scripture. I was trained to do a little bit of counseling. I learned a few things about leadership. Nobody trained me to lead a person into embracing the life of Christ, an individual. I, I never... 
I never felt comfortable with that. I didn't understand that. And so I think what happens is in the midst of this is we hope that if we will just put somebody in a Sunday school class and they will learn about the Bible, that these things will begin to apply. But what you're saying is that element of that personal relationship with God is is first and foremost. Everything flows out of that. So if I've only got a short period of time, and I think here's the key, we've got to look at it that we don't know. We may only have a short period of time. We've got to quit assuming that we have years to to meet right. this person. We have years to disciple them. So what I'm hearing you say, Paul, is we've got to get better, more intentional as pastors and leaders of helping people in those first steps. How do I pray? How do I engage the scripture? How do I find out, you know, what does God do? How do, how do I apply these different things, like John said, to my life? And and we'll we'll deal with the pool of Bethesda, and we'll deal with the ark measurements, and we'll deal with end times and all of those things maybe a little bit later. But we, we got to help people embrace the life of Christ. Am I, am I hearing you right? And what would your encouragement be, Paul, to, to, to our pastors that are watching today that say, you know what, I've I've got to get more intentional about this. How do I do this in my church? I think the most helpful piece a pastor can do for a new follower of Christ or for somebody who has been a believer for a while, but they're just struggling with direction, like how do I grow my walk with God? We need to help them understand what the goal of the Christian life is. The goal is not going to church. The goal is not reading your Bible. The goal is not even going to heaven one day when you die. Goal is to know God. Eternal life, the gift that God came to give, this is eternal life, John 17, 3, that they may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So one of the things that we do is we teach people the goal in life is to know God. The daily goal is to spend time with God. One goal directs your life. The next goal directs your day. Now you bring in the disciplines. If we don't connect them back to the goal, we make the discipline the end in and of itself. Now we have a checklist. But if you help people know, the goal is to know him. So when you open the word, now make that your your prayer. God, help me to know you through your word. Help me to see your character, to know your attributes and understand your heart. When I pray, it's no longer just a, a a list of everything I want. Now my prayer is, God, help me to know you, because all relationships require communication. Prayer is communication between us and God. When you worship, it's a part of knowing him and expressing your your heart and your love to him. So if if I could encourage pastors, it is tell people what the goal is, Help them understand how the spiritual disciplines lead towards the goal. And every chance you get, emphasize it's about relationship, it's about relationship, it's about relationship, and here it is. And it all flows out of the gospel. You don't even have to go change the message. It's it's right there. Paul said, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. Um, it all flows out of the gospel. So basically, Paul Hart, Paul Godhart. So sorry about that. Is that ever happened? Last name before. Um, to summarize, Bible. All right, that's that's it, man. That's it. Like literally, this is nothing other than us saying this is what Scripture says. Let's just do that. I mean, it's it's not 
It's not an emphasis on any other type of crazy technique. It's just, let's just live by the word and pursue Jesus and get to know him. That's right. One of the things we didn't really have a chance to get into today was the whole mentoring side of it. And mm. uh, just personal engagement, personal involvement with with others. And maybe we can have that discussion in the future. But Paul, John, thank you guys so much uh, for joining us. Know you guys are busy. Welcome to Georgia. We are blessed. Yes. You guys are here. You know, I think everybody in Georgia was was watching. Who's going to replace Michael Kemp? Oh, it was like a live stream. Like we were waiting and everything. There was like a smoke signaling kind of thing that we were all waiting on. And that, um, but we are, we're grateful to you, Paul. And man, you've been great for Georgia Baptist. I know you've already gone out and met a lot of our pastors and been doing some things with, with Thomas. And we just say thank you for that. And John, a lot of guys haven't met you yet, but you're there. So, uh, why don't, why don't y'all do this before we get off? What What's a way that a guy can get a hold of you if he has some questions for you, John? Yeah, uh, if a guy wants to get a hold of me, he can just email me, John L at SherwoodBaptist.net. All right. And Paul? And right now, it would be the same thing that just Paul G at SherwoodBaptist.net. Okay. I want to know what the right now is. You got to you got to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my email is in transition at this point. Um, however, uh, when the new one comes out, then that would be known at that point. But right. it, well, however you identify your email address. Come on, man. You did you on it. Thank you all for being on the podcast. It was awesome. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for producing and thank you all for watching today. Remember, it's your gifts to the cooperative program to help us do these things uh, to serve you. Uh, we are glad that you're with us today and it's just an honor uh, to be able to do this. So thank you so much and uh, keep an eye out for the next broadcast. God bless y'all. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift. The five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple-makers.